Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Zach. And we are recording uh, at the end of November. We had a pretty action-packed week um, of basketball, men and women's, and then uh, a football game last night. So we're going to look over that and then have an outlook on the future games and what we expect from the, the rest of the football season as that comes up, and then also the, the, a few games that are coming up for basketball on this next week. Yeah, basketball. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say about it right now. It was like hype for the first time in like 10 years. Real true hype, um, preseason hype. I guess we were hyped for Lonzo, too, but this felt like something really real and tangible. Um, sustainable. And sustainable, yeah, exactly. But then the wheels just completely fell off against San Diego State, and it just felt so deflating. Um, San Diego State basically Cronin balled Cronin. They played hard. They played tough. They played good defense, and and they, they uh, they scored the ball, and we just we could not execute on anything, and we looked like the team from early season last year, which was incredibly disappointing, because all of these guys have already gone through that. We thought that we were going to be able to get you know keep that momentum up from last season, and we just we were just bad we, we were a bad basketball team and it was just really disappointing and I think we we talked about this before like we weren't necessarily expecting to win this game and I wasn't as upset about losing it but it was the way we lost it just you know lethargic bad basketball and that's what was disappointing to me uh, what what did you think about that game you know I I the first few minutes were actually pretty solid. And like you said, the wheels just fell off um, because we started out with, with a Chris Smith three and then we hit another three after, I don't know, remember if it was Hawkeyes or, or Tiger, uh, but we hit another three and we're up 6-0. I'm like, all right, looks like we picked up right where we left off last season. And, you know, by the time, what, the eighth minute hit, then San Diego State just crawled their way back. And took over the game, but it did it uh, like. It just felt like we didn't even have a, a fall camp, you know, a training camp. Like these guys were just showing up to San Diego, from wherever they've been. They all just met there. It was like let's play ball. Just very undisciplined, and just the energy you could tell on the offensive end. Um, to San Diego State's credit, I mean they're no slouch of a team. I know they lost, you know, a pretty good guard, uh, to the draft who graduated and uh and he was pretty good and their team's well disciplined I mean and they went 30 and 2 last season they were looking to make some noise in the tournament but in regards of talent in terms of momentum we just we looked deflated and, and unmotivated it just looked like the same team at the beginning of last year I was like are we going to have a repeat of last season because it wasn't even a fact we lost. I think I told you before, I was like, this is going to be a tough game, and I wouldn't be surprised if we lost, um, you know, a couple hours before. Especially when I heard that we lost Jalen Hill. Well, not lost, but he was out. And that we didn't have the depth at the wings of Sang, and we're excited to see how, you know, he eventually comes on once he gets healthy. But I was like, it's the first game of the season. San Diego State is the best team arguably, and they could be, you know, in the Mountain West Conference. They got this guy, Jorge Masvidal, look-alike, who's just killed us <laughs> on the threes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, they're no slouch of a team, but we just didn't even look like we wanted to fight or be there. And that was a yeah. frustrating thing. I, I, losing Hill and losing Juzang obviously hurt this team, but that's not an excuse for the way we played. Um you know, defensively, we just we weren't defending the three-point line. We paid for it, and it just felt like every bucket San Diego State was getting was easy. And every bucket we got on the offensive side was just difficult. I just, I didn't, 
there was no flow to the offense. There was a lot of standing around, and it was really, really frustrating to watch. Um, you know, Tiger looked like early season Tiger and just couldn't really penetrate well, couldn't hit his shot, couldn't, you know, wasn't distributing the ball really well. And so it just the whole team suffered from that. And then, you know, Chris Smith, who we're expecting to really take a big leap here and to become that kind of alpha dog, just he doesn't seem to have that killer instinct in him yet or that willingness to just try to take over a game. We all know he has the physical ability to do it, and he's probably the only guy on our team that can really create his own shot, and he showed that several times um, against San Diego State and even um, in the second game against Pepperdine, but he just, for whatever reason, that second half of that San Diego State game, I mean, he didn't score a single point, <laughs> and then he fouled out. So, you know, just just that part of it was just, really disappointing to see um and and part of that i think you know obviously we have to think about the context of this game um you know it's a covid season where they haven't had a full you know training regimen uh they were apart for a long time you know there were there are a lot of factors in in play here and that leads me to the second game where we looked a lot more cohesive, um, both defensively and offensively, and it kind of gave me a little bit more hope for the season. Um, just the way we played, and, you know, it was also an incredibly stupid game. Like, UCLA should never be in a triple overtime position with Pepperdine. Like, end of story. But we were, but the encouraging part about that game was we showed a lot of grit. We showed a lot of heart. The The team never gave up, and they played hard until the end, uh, and, and we came out on top, and we really needed that win. I, I think going down 0-2 really early in the season, we would have been on that path of last season, early last season, and getting that, you know, difficult win, I think, puts us back on track a little bit and it felt like a team that was from like later in the season from last year um and that's that was encouraging to me yeah i mean i was on the road traveling but i watched the highlights and then also listened to zed's commentary on the game but i think some things <laughs> i noticed uh on the short uh, on the highlights i've seen is that it looked like Tiger, I mean, it, I guess it was the third overtime that he got his offensive back, and you saw how that helped close the deal. Um, I saw better things from Chris Smith. I still didn't see the the type of aggression that we we're still looking to, 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 to work with him because at this current point, Tiger, is he is the most important player on our team. Um, the pressure falls on him even more so uh, than Chris Smith, who's our most talented player. Uh uh, naturally, but Tiger, the team goes as Tiger does. So, um, as we saw in the last quarter, as he he put things away, we still even covered the spread. Um, you know, we were in a battle until then. It's just it's going to make that much of a difference. But I think if Chris picks up the aggression, if you know, and I, I think that just mentally he had a very take quiet twenty six. Yeah, it was one of those stat lines. You you watch the game and you don't even realize. Um, I didn't even watch the game, but I watched the highlights, and I was like, oh, yeah, he did get 26. You know, he filled the stat sheet, um, which helps, you know, later on once he gets the, the aggression going, he still has the numbers behind him to be a, a big-time player. But there is going to be, just in these past two games, it just it, it, it was like we were all saying that Chris Smith was the biggest recruit of this offseason, um, even more so than losing Knicks. But that impact is not felt. Uh, this first week wasn't, you know, it's just, again, the wheels came off and we should have hit the ground running. Um, as a team that's been considered underrated in the nation, as a team that's been voted number one by the Pac-12 media, uh, you know, regional-wise. So we're in this, this middle ground place, and we have a lot of talented wings, but we, we still need to... I still saw where players were running into each other or just the spacing's a little bit off. So 
it you know this would be fine if this was last year, but these guys have been playing with each other. How now, much do you put? Sorry, how much of this do you put on Mick versus just bad execution? Well, I think there's a few things. Um, I'm giving Mick a bit of a leeway just because of the year, right? And I know you know basketball has a, had a bit more time to prepare or a, a bit more steady path than say football or other sports, but the same time i don't know what these guys regime was you know during covid or you know the outlook their seasons were cut short in march and i just you know beforehand i don't know if there's kind of a reset and he lost momentum because he wasn't able to 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 gain on he didn't have an, a march and an april to to build on um and and get these guys you know i don't even think they had off you know summer workouts in no, there was a, they were all at home during kind of that first quarantine period. And I remember Mick was talking about specific guys like Jaime Hawkes getting chased off of a public court in like uh, Oxnard or I think. Yeah, Oxnard, I remember that too. <laughs> um, because he was like breaking quarantine rules by himself and st- stuff like that. So they were definitely kind of dispersed all over the place. Yeah, and I, I also don't think that's any excuse because every team was dealing with it. But I think in our case, with the, the kind of guys where he's trying to get a cultural change, I think he did have some disruption uh, that I'm just going to give Mick, you know, somewhat of a pass on. Um, so, and I think it goes to also just hearing, again, the type of, you know, the, the candor that we know Mick to have. And his comments very much were on point of how, you know, the fan base felt. He, he doesn't, he's not going to be shy about it. He's not going to be coy. And he, he told it how it was. So I think it, 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 the disappointment is that we weren't prepared, but it was also understanding of like how, how, you know, the, the situation wasn't conducive to carrying you know the momentum of the culture shift that he's he's put in place but how how long is it going to be until these guys get back to the same form we saw last season because it's a shorter season and yeah we have conference play coming up fairly soon yeah and it looked like we got part of that mojo back a little bit that game against Pepperdine so that was good um you know we'll see how we come back this week um we're playing Seattle Thursday, and we have a game Monday, I believe, too. Yeah, we're playing Long Beach. And I think the other Long thing Beach. is when we play these schools at the beginning of the season, we have to remember we have a target on our back. Like San Diego State, probably less so because those guys, you know, San Diego State is his own program over the past years, over the past decade that's established itself as, you know, a, maybe I think it's the second. I mean, I don't think it is the second best program in, in Southern California. Right. And so uh, behind us, of course, and then there's that other school that maybe is third. But um, it, so playing for San Diego State doesn't carry this type of, you know, this this chip on your shoulder. But the Pepperdines and the Long Beach State would, who were playing on Monday, we have to remember these guys are coming out to show out their best because these are the guys that weren't recruited by UCLA. Mixed with the guys who who come from like the Midwest or the Northwest or NorCal, where they're like, I'm just coming to hoop and I have nothing to lose. So uh, we have to be prepared for them because while they not, might not be the talent, you know, UCLA recruits, they can still play ball and all they need to do is put the ball in the bucket. And we've seen in the past that the Long Beach States, Pepperdine almost just upset us now. We've had trouble at UC Santa Barbara in the past. Like a lot of these small, smaller programs are going to give us, give them our best and we have to make sure that uh, we put them away and we're disciplined. We don't we don't take them for granted. Yeah, the the good news is is that we'll be back in in Poly Pavilion, and so hopefully that helps. You know, being in a in a road gym is always difficult, and I, I gotta imagine it's even stranger when there's no fans in the stands, um, especially at a place like Viejas, which is um, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's it's a cool stadium. But I can imagine how it would feel very strange to be in that building completely quiet. Um, yeah, I yeah, think to your point, one thing you pointed out was that you didn't like that we were going down to to San Diego State. 
And I think that probably had an effect. I don't think you you had the only attitude on that. You know, while it, it, you felt, you know, UCLA should, is the program that should be hosting this. And it looked like San Diego State was just more prepared at the moment. But I'm sure that had an effect of like, all right, we're going down and playing in our home arena. And uh, I wish we took it as like, let's beat the crap out of them. Um, because they sure did. They held their home, their home ground, and they gave it to us. That was just it was embarrassing how we lost. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's, regardless of fans, um, in an, in a home arena, there is a sense of familiarity. Like that team has played and practiced there with no fans. They kind of know the shooting angles and the the eye lines and and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and you're, they're used to it. And so, you know, that there's all obviously an advantage there and, and that's not an excuse to lose that game the way we did. That was completely on us and everything on San Diego state, just playing really good basketball. So, but you know, that being said, UCLA being the, the blue, but blood program, we should be, we should have, I, I maintain we should have held this, um, kind of four-game, four-team bubble situation um, at at Poly Pavilion and in Westwood. But, you know, I, I don't know the inside logistical issues with that and whatnot. So, you know, there may have been a good reason why we couldn't. So still, still kind of annoying. Um, but, you know, let's hopefully... We, we are growing as a team quickly again and kind of getting back to where we were at the end of last season. Hopefully, you know, we get Jalen Hill back very quickly and Johnny Juzang, um, and we can get this ball rolling again because we, you know, just assuming that all these games are actually played, we got to win a lot of them uh, to, to make sure we get a, a good seed and, and you know, lock ourselves into that tournament in, in Indy. So, yeah, let's let's see what we've got on Monday against uh, Long Beach and, and Seattle on Thursday. Yeah, and then we play Cal, which is uh, on Sunday, and that'll be our first Pac-12 game. And just so everyone knows, Pac-12, Cal is ranked in terms of the media expectations in the bottom the bottom third of the conference. So they're around 10, 10 to 12 and they're in their second year with Mark Fox and they already lost to Oregon state. It, yeah. in a quote unquote non-conference game, um, for scheduling reasons. But yeah, I mean, again, that's going to be a team that while they don't seem as talented, they don't have the shooting They're They struggle with turnovers come into the season. They still have, you know, they have a transfer that's coming in from Penn. Who's going to be proven them look to prove himself. They have, a guard that's returning as a junior and he's you know he's he's a pretty good scorer he's averaging I think 16 points around there but um yeah he's going to be looking to like these guys are going to be looking to take down UCLA because if if everybody if we look back at last season Cal doesn't forget the fact that UCLA uh kind of upstaged their turnaround they were looking to make a turnaround as well and we kind of put a stop to it and went on our own run it was like the tale of two schools, um, both with first-year coaches. So uh, Cal is it's going to give them our best, so we'll see that on Sunday night as well. I think, I mean, the schedule actually works out to have a Long Beach State, which I think is going to be just a scrappy team. And Seattle U may be as well. Like, I, I wouldn't, but I think for them, I think they're traveling. Seattle U is playing in Poly, right? Um, yeah, I down. think so. Yeah. So I think for the advantages are going to be playing our end with momentum. It'll be good to to get a bottom third team in the Pac-12 who's also in their second year and see how we measure up to them um, after, you know, we have four games under our belt. Yeah, so, you know, we're going into these games with a loss to a most likely a, a solid tournament team and, and a win over a team that is possibly in the tournament and so hopefully we can build on that resume against against some of these other teams and and keep going uh into cal yeah um shifting gears a little bit football is there uh is there a sign of life 
there? There may be. I mean, it's we what two games in a row without some of our fastest players, and we haven't looked like we skipped. I mean, we haven't skipped a beat. And in terms of our offense, and yeah, I mean, I was very pleased with our defense. Uh, again, going in, we're, we we returned home for the Rose Bowl. No DTR. Uh, Chase got the start again due to uh, COVID-related um, restrictions. And, I, I mean, the first half, again, we looked like we were rolling. And Dimitri Felton, I think he went into half with, what, 100, was it 34 yards? And one touchdown on 20 carries, I believe. Um around there and you know chase was playing smart again he you know there's certain things that you can see i mean people can attribute to his physical limitations i'm not sure if it's that i think it's more so game day experience because i know people say chase doesn't have a strong arm and i we've seen that since the reports but i also you know i've seen kyle you know kyler murray who's around the same height as him just ball out and continue to prove me wrong so um, you know, and, and, and Russell Wilson, who was a little bit thicker when he was at NC State, and I even even at Wisconsin. So I I don't think I think with game day experience, I think with practice with reps, Chase could get there. Uh, Look, his his height. I think people make a big deal out of his height more so than anything else. You know, he he does lack arm strength, um, but I I do think you're right. I think that is the lack of, of game day experience and. The, the playbook isn't completely open. Um, he is slightly limited in those situations where we need to throw it down the field 20, 30, 40, 50 yards. But, you know, I do think he has the ability to throw it down deeper than we've seen him do it. Um, he's been fairly accurate for most of his throws. He lets a couple of them get away from him, but... You know, I, I that's a college QB thing. I, I I've made this pretty clear. I I I'm pretty team chase here. Yeah, and I I've been pretty frustrated with DTR. Maybe more so in the first game than the second one. Um, and I'm waiting for DTR to take that leap. And I don't I don't think it's a bad call with either QB. I still think there's advantages and just talent that DTR has that that Chase doesn't. I mean that by foot speed. Um, but it seems like Chase even has the instincts to run, you know, take the, he goes through his reads quicker, his progressions, and then he just takes off for the first down. I was just like, well, that's what I want. Actually, I've seen this in Oregon game and this game. He, he actually goes through his progressions, which is shocking to see. At one point in yesterday's game uh, against Arizona, the commentators actually slow-moed him going through his progressions, and you could see he was literally turning his head looking every single way with his eyes like and then he made the correct throw like he he is doing everything a solid good QB should be doing in a very fundamental way um and for me personally I would rather take those better mechanics and the that better football IQ and football smarts right now over the raw talent and athleticism of DTR. And I, I, it limits the offense, I get it, but there's a way to mitigate that if we just ran a version of the blur where we don't need him to push the ball down the field too much and we just are quick, especially with this running game and the way the offensive line is playing, like that would work, in my opinion. But, I, you know, uh... we're... I, I think with DTR, and, and again, I mean, what is this? This is his second, well, he's going into his second, quote-unquote, full season of being a QB, uh, as a college QB. I think what I see is, like, DTR still learning how to quarterback, and what I mean by that is that versus Chase, who was a Texas player of the year, you know, and he he was in the Texas system. And the guy, I don't like to attribute to, like, oh, Chase is this violin player, DTR is this Instagram mogul, and that measure intelligence of that, but it kind of does give you a state of mind of where the two are and uh, how they view, you know, the position they're in and, 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 and what they're doing. Like, DTR came out with a lot of hype, and I feel like he always seems like he's carrying a chip on the shoulder, but he hasn't necessarily focused that 
to just uh, uh, there's always seems like there's this rush to to what he's doing and he needs to settle in where Chase just seems settled and he's letting the game come to him at certain points but we've seen like in Oregon uh he had moments he had a drive where he he was a little bit off sorts and then that last one I mean that didn't really fall on him that fell on Phillips for for missing that catch and even on this game and there that was a good throw that was a good throw, and then he threw a beautiful pass to Phillips, and Phillips missed it, you know? And I think, again, I think that comes with reps and whatnot because Phillips, while he's been our over-liable and he's our slot guy, he's not the type of talent to just snatch a ball out of the air that's a little bit out of his wingspan. But And, and Chase will learn that, you know, I think he'll adjust, and that's what I mean with experience. I think, again, we like you said, I think you're right in terms of the blur. If we run the blur with either players, like, we'll be fine but I think the biggest the best news out of all this is that we do have a very good solid backup QB maybe the best I was going to say since monster behind Rosen Um, I think he's better than monster at this point yeah but monster I don't remember monster having a type of like moxie or just excite like just this type of grasp of the QB you know it seemed like monster he's just poised yeah, he's, he's very poised. poised. Yeah, he's a he's he's a very calm. You can feel it, and that's why. I mean, I don't know if you read the quote. Like people were saying, "Oh, Griffin, we call him the president because of how he leads the group," and that type of infectious personality it falls more in line of the the Josh Kelly type of camp um, of the football players. You know, more so than you know, DTR just has a, he has a more of a fiery type of like I expect to win type of model and some players are going to vibe with that some are not you know i just I, it, it, he, but we also seen him play his heart out like against usc last year like that game dtr had a hell of a game so we, we he's had flashes again of the brilliance but we just need consistency and we're seeing a bit more of that with chase like there's an upward progression yeah i i think there's a level of stability poise um and and leadership on in that way that you just described with Chase that I think seems to right the ship with our offense. Um, like, this is what 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 sold it for me, is that in all of his throws, you know, even that, you know, pick six, which, you know, I don't completely attribute to him, like, it being his fault. He was getting hit um, against Oregon. He... <laughs> I don't think I've seen a single time where he's, like, thrown it off his back foot and just floated it up into, like, dead space to get picked off or possibly picked off. I feel like in year three, and it is this is year three for DTR in college, he is still throwing so many passes off his back foot and just throwing them. And I think you're right. It goes back to, like, he expects to make those throws, but he doesn't execute on them and just expecting those to get caught or expecting those to be completions like don't does not mean that they will be um and so it just that, like just things like that that drive me absolutely nuts about DTR um Chase gets doesn't do and and I I appreciate that it's after watching a lot of frustrating QB decisions by DTR if we could combine the two guys we would have like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time oh no doubt um we yeah that would be the dream somehow imagine if we had uh them rotating out of place but it's a good problem for Chip Kelly to have I'm curious to see how he is going to handle it with DTR coming back against the Arizona State, assuming we play them. But also, another thing I want to jump on before we, you know, we, we preview the Sun Devils is that, man, we have we have a few pros on our team, and Demetric Felton is really showing out this year. Um, I you, you actually tweeted it not exactly when I was thinking, and he had a, a, this solid run where he just flew through the defense. Um, you know, Arizona's defense, and he looked so smooth. Now, I know last year we seen he had moments where he had this wiggle, but he kind of does these cool jukes, you know, that, that are good for the highlight spin moves. Yeah, but I don't remember him having this smoothness last year that he had this kind of just this this twitch, you know, or just this this small turn. And then even the dead leg, he, like, 
he's putting his feet, you know, at a certain angle that I don't remember last year. So it's cool to see his growth because I kind of saw him as like the slot receiver before that would have like the jet sweeps or, you know, the, the kickoff returns, but not necessarily the vision to be a solid running back the way we saw or a, a high level running back. I don't want to say because he's always been a solid running back, you know, with explosive plays, but to be a high level workhorse. He surprised me and exceeded my expectations by far this season. I was expecting Brown to be, you know, running back one, but Demetric said no. I'm I'm also physically strong, I'm the strongest Camara. <laughs> he looks like it, and then he's like, I'm I'm gonna do the tricks, but I'm also gonna be the workhorse. And we saw that until he got that cramp. Luckily, um, that got him over 200 yards. Yeah, I mean he he runs with a surprising amount of power that you wouldn't expect from him um and he breaks tackles he's athletic and gets to the outside and fast i mean he he really is a complete player um and he's I got do a strong get... stiff arm too yeah yeah he does uh it's a thing of beauty i love i love it it's so disrespectful um I, I want to give Chip some credit here for actually kind of playing him into this position because I think we were all skeptical about, hmm, is, is this really going to work out with him kind of being a, a running back full-time? And it seems to be working right now. And, and you know, credit to Chip for recognizing that he he could do it and he has the talent to do it. Um I do also want to shout out Britton Brown that you just mentioned. He's also a very good running back in his own right. Um, and he just, he runs with so much violence. Like, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, a mini, mini beast mode, Marshawn Lynch type style. Because when he runs into a guy, it's like he's not being tackled. It almost feels like the other guy is the one getting tackled. Um he just hits guys as he's running and it's it's really fun to watch and he and he has some finesse uh that he showed on that touchdown catch where he kind of just juked out and, and broke a little bit of ankle on the that run and so i we have a really good running back tandem right now and and, and this is without you know guys like cashmere allen who are just speed um yeah, I, I think we have, our, our running game has been fantastic. And and shout-out to the O-line, too. Um, I mean, the unsung heroes, they've been so great on the edges. Like, you see just a big guy just running out there. You're like, oh, wow, that guy's about to get steamrolled. And you see Felton just slip past him. There was one yeah. specific play yesterday. It was that um, the play where it was actually... Uh, Chase Griffin ran for the first down off off the edge, and when you you see him start rolling out and start looking like he's about to run, I think it was John Gaines who just took off to make a block. And I've never seen a big dude just with that sort of hustle and speed. Like he was pretty fast. Um, he made a big block. He just he sprinted out and and made the block so he could make sure that uh, Griffin would would hit that first down mark and it was it was fun to watch and I think that line has been performing in much better than we all expected um yeah I mean it's it's cobbled together somehow and, and it's gelling and it's fun to think and so shout out to to the coach um and uh yeah, it's 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 looking good. And flipping to the other side of the ball, the defense and the D line, my lord. Like wow. this these guys just live in the the backfield of the other team. Yeah, it's at this point they see it as more so a competition who can get back there first, which it should always be that way, but it's like there's such a rush and urgency and it's amazing to see the penetration we've gotten on. I mean, it, at this point, we we played a, a Oregon O-line, which was one of, I mean, if not the best in the conference, and completely just decimated them for a good half before they adjusted. And even then, we were still getting penetration. But, um, yeah, I mean, we just destroyed Arizona's 
a lot. And which is, you know, probably not one of the better ones, but it was good to see. Yeah, it's, you know, Osa, Agude, uh, Otito, all those guys are just breaking through every time to to get in the backfield. And even if they don't get a sack, they're disrupting the quarterback. They're hitting the quarterback after, on every throw almost. Um, and then, you know, just the, the blitz pressure has been really fun to watch. You get, you know, guys like Quantrez Knight coming into the backfield and, and blitzing. Um, Obi Evo had a couple of, or at least one sack yesterday coming off of corner blitzes. Um, and he seems to be finding a niche in that regard. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, we've been saying this for a long time. Like, why don't we bring pressure? And now that we have been, it's just been so much fun to watch. Like, it's mind boggling as to why we didn't do this last year, but you know, shout out to Brian Norwood for, for bringing the heat. Because uh, this is him. This is not an Azanaro defense anymore. This feels like a purely Brian Norwood defense. Yeah. These type of stunts are just, were foreign to us last year. So we know that, you know, there's going to be adjustments and whatnot. But we're giving Brian all the credit. Yeah. Now if we could just actually uh, clamp down on the, the corners that would be nice rather than give a 15 yard cushion on half the plays. It's just, that's still frustrating to me. Um, and we were just lucky by some drops on Arizona and just some bad throws, but other teams are not going to make those, especially one across town. Right. Yeah. And then the, the, the other weakness I would say is, is the middle kind of linebacking core. I, you know, Bo Calvert is in that spot right now, but, he seems to still miss tons of tackles there. He kind of overcommits a lot of times. It's still, the game seems a little too fast for him sometimes, and it's a little bit of a concern because I think, you know, every time Arizona even, for instance, yesterday and Oregon hurt us was kind of in that middle spot, um, right, right kind of behind the D-line where he should be kind of playing whether it's runs or, or passes in that middle and, you know, even when he's blitzing, he often kind of misses the tackles on for loss or sacks because he overcommits a little bit too much. And so, you know, if we could get him up to speed, I think they would vastly improve that part of the field. Um, but really, that's other than that, this defense has just been flying around and, and playing incredibly well. Yeah, um, I'm curious to see how it's going to do against Jaden Daniels and the team that I think they've been off for how long now? For two weeks, two weeks? I think. Yeah, yeah. so uh, to see how they're going to do because I don't think Arizona State's, their O-line's not that strong, so I think they're going to be more similar to Cal than Arizona um, and in that sense in, in the protection. But uh, Jaden Daniels is a force in himself, and as many of us Bruins fans who follow recruiting and just even followed the first year, we're very familiar with his style of play. Um, and, you know, this defense is going to have a challenge. They, they can't – you mentioned Calvert over committing, and he took the wrong angle against Garbers on that missed run that led to, you know, I think it was Cal's only TD, if I remember correctly. But um, – Jaden Daniels is going to be shiftier with his feet, and he's going to make some. He can make the crazy throws that Chase wasn't able to make that game because he was off for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, this defense has their hands full in terms of a QB. Now, I think ASU has a weapon, has maybe one or two because they lost. Um, I believe it was it Jalen Rigger who who left or Brandon Ayuka. Ayuk. Ayuk left. Uh, Kalen Balaj left. Kalen Balaj, yeah. And, you know, uh, not, it was Eno Benjamin last year. Um, and so with that, like, you know, Jaden doesn't have the weapons that he once had, but let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how we, how we, we scheme for him. Um, and I think, I hope there's a little less cushion, as you said, 
with the running backs. I mean, with the wide receivers because Jaden's going to make that throw way quicker than a plumber, a second string Arizona QB. Yeah, and and he's he's always a running threat too, more so than a guy like Plummer. And so we need to, like you said, play play discipline and play and contain him on, in those situations. One of the most frustrating things I think is, where we've you know had guys on third and long and we're collapsing on them, about to take them off, but we're not disciplined enough to cover that middle part, right? that middle section of the field right in front, and then there's so much open space, they just take off for the first down. Um, that is always just, it feels backbreaking and, and is incredibly annoying. Um, and we need to be better at that and not overcommit. Um, but overall, I do like the fact that we are just attacking quarterbacks um, and it's helping us win games. It, it really is, and, and we should absolutely continue to do that even if it does mean we give up some of those yards just you know it's it's has a a psychological and physical impact on the other team and so we should absolutely keep doing it yeah and next week so we play Arizona and Tempe the assumption is the game's happening for now but we all know how that is week by week but Arizona State, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on them, I guess, our offense versus their defense? I know they have that Merlin Robertson. They have a pretty good young sophomore linebacker, and they switched to 4-3. But we haven't seen much of their, their team this year because of, of COVID. Um, but what, how are you feeling about that game overall? I mean, we beat them last year somehow. Um I mean, they're they're a good team. There's some good talent there. I I think it's hard to say right now what they're gonna come out like just because they've been sitting for two weeks. Um, they should have beaten SC, but they didn't, and so you know there are. I I really it's it's hard to ex- expect what to what we're gonna see from them. I think. You know, I, you're right. We have to contain <clears throat> and kind of limit Jaden Daniels as much as possible because, you know, he doesn't have the weapons, but he can still make good plays. Um, and they they have a tendency for making, like, a lot of wild throws and plays that just somehow always work out for them. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, whenever UCLA plays ASU, it's always a tight game. Um, it always... We always feel like we're in, in tough kind of dogfight close games with them. And so I, I wouldn't expect anything different for this one. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really know what to think because they're, they could either come out, you know, guns blazing and, and be, you know, ready to just unleash because of two weeks of just pent up you know, energy, or they're going to come out really rusty and just not play well. It's it's really difficult to, to assess what they're going to look like. For UCLA, I mean, depending on who we're, who we're playing at QB, I mean, on the offensive side, I think we need to keep doing what we're doing, establish that run game. I would still like to see more tempo, but, you know, let's let's keep running the ball down everyone's throats until someone stops us and then you know complement that with with passing when we need to and it'll really depend when we or who we start whether it's chase or or dtr and, and kind of how that shakes out and on the defensive side just keep doing what we're doing yeah, I agree with that. I do think I'm expecting us to, to win this game, but I expect it to be a close one. Uh, I would probably be different on that end if, if Arizona State had reps and, and games that they played these past two weeks. But I just think we are in a flow, and I expect that momentum to continue. Um, and given it's a short road trip um, to ASU, and you know we've had some, some pretty good games there, some classics back, going back to the Hunley days. Um, so I'm hoping we can repeat that success because last year we, it was Arizona state 
I believe, was it our second? Was it the game after Stanford or after Colorado? I just know we had a three-game win streak. Um, I don't remember now, after Arizona, Arizona State, we just put them away by the second quarter, and that was surprising because they were, you know, they were they were kind of on this this surprise, uh, this welcome stage to the national scene with, with Jaden Daniels. I think they beat Michigan State earlier in the year. Um, that was the game we thought we all turned the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and then we finally, you know, we met Utah the next week, I believe. So, with that said, I, I do, I can see it being a, a closer game this time around. But if our offense is humming like it has, and not the third quarter offense, uh, the third quarter to maybe the last drive. <laughs> Then um, yeah. yeah, we we should be. I think we're, we're we'll be pretty solid and we'll be able to score. I am just curious to see how we contain Jaden. And I, if if it, it's not a shootout, then I think we win. But I think our offense are going to get their points. Yeah, I I agree. I'm excited for it. Um, I also think it's the perfect test before we play an SE. I think Jaden Daniel before, you know, with young he does. And let me correct myself. Uh, he does have weapons, but they're just young. He has a young class of. Um, you know, sophomore and freshman of wide receivers. So it'll be curious to see how those guys play out. Um, you know, but I think they're the perfect test before we play, you know, Kiran. Uh, we we face Slovis and, you know, a talented core of SC, assuming we do play them the following week. Right. Yeah, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks, and it's been a long time uh, since I've been able to say that with, some level of confidence. I, I think we have we've shown enough to to actually be excited about watching some competent football for the most part. Yeah. Um, um outside of that, uh we did we, we can't we'll be remiss if we didn't mention girls basketball. They handled business. It was an interesting <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> handle you know. business they they won by like what was it 49 points i think at the end they were up like 53 at one point yeah what was it said that what was it martin jarman rad he paid for their tests for fullerton's tests so they would be able to play on friday and i just i honestly think he just paid for the win because it was a blowout it was yeah yeah i mean there was some drama before that game because it got postponed because from what I read, the tests from the previous Friday still hadn't come back for Fullerton, um, which I don't know how you overlook that and like have the team uh, like realize that while UCLA was warming up. But it's a whole a very strange situation, which isn't surprising because it's such a strange year. Um, but you know, once the game was played, you know. Kudos to Martin Jarman for stepping up and getting the testing done for Fullerton. Uh, we, we just, like, that was the win I was, or the way I was hoping the men's team would come out and play. But, you know, it, the women's team absolutely lived up to that number nine ranking and just walloped Fullerton. Like, it, it was it was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, Michaela, it was just at that point where transition points were easy. Everybody got theirs. Michaela, you know, and uh, what's her name? Cam. I think it, Cam, the girl from Texas. They just they they completely took control. Michaela on the post with her left hand. Uh, Cam was just you know on the wing, and it, it it the girls the girls are looking good. Close is like someone fully invested in. And someone that, you know, I'm glad her and Mick have a working relationship because I, I think those two could have synergy in terms yeah. of how the two teams work. And our upcoming schedule, we have Pepperdine later tonight, so we'll review that on the next podcast. And we're hoping, as you mentioned, like how we expected the guys to come out, the girls continue on um, with their momentum and put Pepperdine away early. And then we have Arizona this upcoming Friday who are ranked – I think two spots ahead of us, so that'll be a good test for them. And I honestly think that we're underranked. We should probably be flipped with them, so because we beat them last year, and I think we can do the same this year. Yeah, the um, yeah, the the Pac-12 
rankings were very strange for women's basketball this year. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch this team. Um, I do want to know they're also slightly under strength right now because they have two freshman recruits missing. Um, obviously not key players like someone like Jalen Hill, but you know that's still possible rotation players that are that are out due to um you know travel restrictions due to COVID-19 and there are two international players that have not been able to come back with the team yet so you know there's there's still there they could you know if they get more players in there and other serviceable teammates they could even you know possibly be better to get a little bit more of that firepower. So I'm, I'm interested. And, and I think there's a couple of players sitting out for this season too. Um, yeah. So, you know, this, this team is in good hands and I'm very excited to see where they, where they go. And hopefully we can finally break through to that, that final four. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Just keep building on momentum. Um, this is, this is going to be a very, fundamental year to to build in the program but if we can top it off i think we got to elite eight last year no not last year the year before um yeah and i know last year we were rolling and possibly repeating that but if we can do elite eight and then the cherry on top is the final four then things are looking up absolutely um cool yeah uh, other than that, shout out to Kevin Love. He he's continuously speaking out on mental awareness. Um, other guys, you know, in in the pros, uh, Drew Holiday got paid a, a month ago, and his trade well not paid but he got trade traded to like our you know I'm I'm excited to see how our our pros do, and then yeah, uh, Jordan Canada on the on the girl side is playing. I think she just signed a deal with Turkey, with the team in Turkey. So that's cool to see. Um, so she's going to go get the overseas check. And, uh, yeah, our our other Bruins, Kendricks made, you know, in the NFL, Eric Kendricks made a crazy interception last week. Uh, and the, you know, he continues to show that he's one of the best linebackers out there. Um, watching Miles Jack, he's been steady as a tackler. Like, our linebackers have just been solid all around, as expected. But, yeah, our, our, our Bruin, Bruins and the pros are doing well, so that's good to see. Um, yeah, definitely always fun to to stay on top of that and, and see what our guys are doing. Always helps with recruiting for all the sports and yeah. And then other than that, we'll see you next week. Cool. All right. Well, we'll catch you later. Um, follow us on Twitter. Um, listen to this podcast. Share it with your friends. And go Bruins. Go Bruins.